Hey, let me tell you a story I know I'm just a man hanging all by a thread I need a rope in this war I'm fighting Trying to survive You want a drink? I said no, and here's why I already drank the Mississippi dry I burned down that bridge Barely made it out alive Somewhere along the way Troubles, yeah, they caught up with me. Now I'm, I'm trying to be a better man. Hope that you can understand. Walk a mile in my shoes. From How to Barbecue Right Studios in Found Hernando, Mississippi, Rooster Production brings you Under the Water Tower, presented by Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. And now, here are your hosts. Matt Crane and Derek Biglane. Morning, Matt. Morning, Derek. That music that you heard a little longer than normal, uh, that is Mr. Jeremy Stanfield, who played for us Friday night. That was part of just an absolutely gorgeous weekend. Uh, a lot of music, a lot of food, a lot of fun for a great talent, Hernando. It just seemed like uh, it seemed like old times. Absolutely, Derek. We're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a few minutes when we talk about our words from the weekend segment that we started doing on our Tuesday show. Talk more about our weekends and different stuff going on. But Derek, just a perfect weekend weather-wise. It was it was absolutely Jeep weather. You have a Jeep, so uh, well when you it's when it's not in the shop, you have a Jeep. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was absolutely had the partial top off. Yeah, uh, all weekend. Not quite ready to take the doors and stuff off yet because again it's. Uh, uh, rained a little bit yesterday. I think it's supposed to wrap up. And, you know, so once that all passes and we get those, you know, seven to 10 days of dry, hot weather, they'll be off. Well, Derek, if you had someone visiting Hernando, you might have people looking forward to uh, moving to Hernando. And if you're thinking about moving to Hernando, please reach out to our 2021 presenting sponsor, Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. Team Couch of Birch Realty Group possesses over 64 years of combined real estate experience. That's residential real estate right here in Hernando and DeSoto County. They are full-time, full-service realtors, which means they are available whenever you might need them. They've been voted DeSoto County's best realtor multiple times and just recently were voted that for the fourth time. They are right now offering a free, no-obligation market analysis. That's a free, no-obligation market analysis to tell you more about the value of your home, tell you more about your neighborhood, tell you more about what's going on within a, a mile radius of your home, numbers that people are selling for, that type of stuff. Something else I want to start saying each and every time we recognize Team Couch is the DeSoto County market is red hot right now. A lot of people feel like they can just jump into real estate, sell their home by themselves, buy a home by themselves. Now's the perfect time to use a realtor. Multiple offers, multiple contracts. They can help you wade through the closing costs. They can help you wade through closing attorneys, different people to work with that they have a good success with. So it's a great time to reach out to Brian and Terry and their team at Team Couch of Birch Realty Group. You can give them a call at 662-449-1700. That's 662-449-1700. Or find them at teamcouch.com. Again, that's teamcouch.com. Thank you to Brian and Terry for believing in the UTW podcast and being our 2021 presenting sponsor. Well, Derek, I didn't get any results from the Memphis MA Barbecue Festival. Need to start looking at that and see if Rochelle and, uh, and Malcolm were pro- possibly part of the winning teams. But the folks at How to Barbecue Right Shop are definitely part of the UTW team. How to Barbecue Right Shop is located just 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics right here in Hernando. 
This store has everything a man needs for barbecue, crawfish, and all other kinds of outdoor home cooking. Whether it's rubs, sauces, thermometers, cast iron, cutting boards, knives, or a really cool high-end smoker, Malcolm's How to Barbecue Right Shop has exactly what you need. You can call them at 662-912-9947. That's 662-912-9947. Find them on Facebook at H2Q Malcolm Shop. But the best thing to do is to stop by the How to Barbecue Right Shop located just 500 yards past Connection Gymnastics on the left-hand side on Memphis Street right here under the water tower. Thank you to Malcolm and Rochelle for being our 2021 studio sponsor. Derek, as I teased just a few minutes ago, going to talk about our words from the weekend. Words from the weekend, and I think I'm going to go first. Derek, my word from this weekend is can. 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 C-A-N. Very simple, yes. What I mean by that is after Friday night, you and I witnessed an amazing show. Three songwriters got on stage right there at the courtyard in Hernando. Roughly about 110, 112 people that were there. We talked about selling 200 tickets, um, but you know we didn't reach that level. But man, I don't think there was any more room for anybody. It was I mean, pretty tight. Probably, I think we talked. We could probably get a couple more tables. And if we we had 120 seats, uh, if you had a couple more tables, you're probably pushing 150 max. Right. right. I mean, quaint. Uh, elegant um, and just a wonderful night of music that I think I don't think anybody left disappointed. What I, my, my word can simply means Hernando can support something like that. Mm-hmm. Hernando can. They showed us on Friday night that Rooster Production and Mississippi Music, uh, Mike and Steven, what those guys do at Mississippi Music is a great thing. But it shows us that you can put something like that on and it be supported at Hernando. On Saturday, the very next day, you can put 10,000 people on the square in Hernando. At it least. was It was <laughs> unbelievable. At least it was unbelievable. You went you went earlier than I did. We think we got out there about one thirty to four, and it was perfect there. I mean, you know, a lot of people had left. I spoke with a lady yesterday who said she tried to beat the crowds and actually felt like she was part probably part of the crowds. I mean, oh, it was no. unbelievable. It, it, at nine forty five, I got there right at, when it opened at nine. I had to go pick out some plants, get some pine straw, went ahead and walked the square for about thirty forty five minutes. At nine forty five, when I left, that's probably the image that's been kind of sh- you know shared on Facebook and. Uh, maybe Hernando happenings and such. That picture that was taken uh, going from west, east, up the hill on Commerce Street, that had to be around 10 o'clock. Was it right there in front of the Bank's house? Yeah. Uh, had, yeah. had road, road closed and all that kind of yeah. – it was wow. – Going up the hill. Right. Uh, literally, that had to be about 10 o'clock. That's what it looked like because I had come over. I had to drop my daughter off. She was babysitting somebody. So we were meeting them kind of uh, by the county administration office. So I came back that way, went up that hill, and that's – I felt like I was walking into all that. Hernando can have something like that. Hernando is a city that obviously can pull off something like that. So there's my word can for that day. And then, Derek, on Saturday night, we're going to talk more about the next can. Uh, Hernando can dominate in the sport. Hernando can be a state champion. And the girls, this official softball team of the UTW podcast, went to Hattiesburg on Wednesday. They went down there, had to play three games against Oak Grove, and they flat out won. The 6A state championship softball team, the trophy now resides under the water tower. Could not be more proud of Nikki Witten and her players. We're going to talk more about that in a little while. So we can we can be uh, dominant in the sport. We can be a state champion. So there's another can. And then on Saturday night, Derek had the opportunity when the girls got back from the tournament in Hattiesburg. We put together as quickly as we can. Brian Carter, a good friend of ours, uh, put together some different things where the girls were going to come back on their on their charter bus. Derek, we pulled up. They pulled up about 10:30. There were two to three hundred people there to support the girls. We got the DJ equipment going. We're playing loud music, playing We Are We Are the Champions when they came off the bus. And then the girls rush out onto the softball field. Uh, it was just amazing. You had 15 to 18-year-old young people 
on the softball field with the lights on. Didn't want to leave. Derek, it, it really, you know, got me a little bit emotional uh, just watch, looking out there and thinking to myself, kids weren't allowed to do that last year. Kids didn't do it in some of the parts of the country. They didn't get to do those things, but our kids did. So we, we can play sports. We did play sports. That's another, that's another can for me. So can is my word from the weekend. Thoroughly enjoyed a great weekend. Wonderful weather. The Lord bless us with. And uh, sorry I took over the segment. No, I mean, mine's similar to that. Mine was town. Uh, so, and I'll add an adjective to it. You can add small town. Sure. Uh, but mine was town. And basically for the same reasons. Um, you know, we have a wonderful small town that uh, is able to host uh, a singer-songwriter event. Uh, successfully, uh, and I think that it'll be even more successful the next time because now people know what we meant. I, yep. You know, it's kind of hard to picture it. Some people may have been before, but kind of hard to picture where you're just sitting there listening to people telling their stories about how they write these songs and then playing the songs for you and kind of having banter back and forth. It was really, it was great. It was um, they took a very minimal break. Uh, was supposed to stop at 10, didn't stop till 11 with maybe a 10-minute break. So you had a, almost a solid three hours of nothing but talking and playing. It was, it was fantastic. And then town, of course, small town, uh, the A-Fair. Became, we became probably doubled in size that day or close to it. Uh, right. With I think a lot of people were coming down from Memphis. A lot of people were coming up maybe from as far as Oxford just because there was something in person, maskless, walking around, 200 booths, whatever. As it was shown, everybody was ready for that. Right. Uh, and then, you know, small town again with the softball team, the way they were greeted, uh, coming back. And then, you know, just yesterday, um, yesterday, another beautiful day, people out going around. You know, we went by the uh, Area 51 ice cream, took my daughter there, and just packed, absolutely packed. So just, you know, those small things, you know, summer coming, school's getting out. We are very, very lucky where we live that we have a growing economy in a growing county. You know, some people get mad about that, but it's true. You know, but we still have a small town. And we can do small town things and, and be successful at it. So that, that's my word. Speaking of town, Derek, the town does have to operate, which means you have to have city business. And tonight, we're going to preview the Hernando Alderman meeting that will be taking place tonight. The third Tuesday of each month will be another Alderman meeting. So we're going to preview that. Derek's going to zoom through some different things that we have going on on the agenda tonight, some usual things that you're used to hearing. Derek, what you got? The first one that will be talked about, I guess, probably with some discussion is number 14 on the agenda is to approve the audit for 2019. Okay. So we finally have the audit from 2019. Okay. Right. It is here for the approval of the Board of Aldermen. We'll see if there's any comments there. And hopefully, you know, uh, with the end of June, usually the time that the former year should be up for this. We hope by the end of June or around there, maybe the maybe the first meeting in July with the new board, that we also have the uh, audit for 2020, and then we'll be caught back up. But they have the audit for 2019 to discuss tonight. Next on the agenda is five different planning items. Uh, the first one is a request for final plot approval of copper leaf at Arbor Point subdivision. This is phase two of Arbor Point, which is up on Memphis Street, just south of Laurelwood. Wait, wait, wait. Did you say Memphis Street right past the How to Barbecue Right Shop? Right past Malcolm's <laughs> Shop right there, How to Barbecue. Barbecue, right. 43 residential lots and two op common open spaces on 18.88 acres. Uh, that's going to be brought tonight for final plot approval. Uh, it will be presented by Nick Croonan of Civil Link on behalf of MNR Builders. Uh, that's the property owner of that. So, again, that will be coming tonight. The next. So, real quick, just to mm -hmm. where, where that is, if your child played soccer this year and you came into the soccer complex, this subdivision is going to be what basically backs up to That's the other side of the railroad. On the other side of railroad tracks. We've been watching the dirt work done and all that kind of stuff. So if you've been to the soccer complex in the last 18 months, that's the neighborhood that they're talking about uh, approving the second phase of that. And also on the other side, it would be across the street from Charleston Row. Gotcha. Where it comes yes. out right there. Yes. 
Next, uh, the request for final plot approval for Jefferson Estate Subdivision, Section D. They are asking for the final plot approval of 21 residential lots and one common open space, which takes up 11.94 acres. Of course, this is on Holly Springs Road, on the south side of Holly Springs Road as you head out of town. Uh, so that'll be coming up. Next is to request to rezone a 54.13 acre tract of land on the southwest corner of Holly Springs Road and Gitwell Road. Now, this is a brand new Correct. zoning request. Yep. So this is not final plot approval. This is a zoning request where they're asking to rezone a 54-acre track of land. Now, this is going to be at the corner of Holly Springs and Gitwell. The southwest corner would be the one, if everybody is familiar with this corner, there's a house that sits there with like several tractor pecan shed. trees. Yeah. Uh, there's, like, there's like a tractor. There's several pecan trees out front. This will be, and I know there's been a, a sign out there for a while. It's just south of that. Right. So, so the, the corner, the actual corner lot is going to be a commercial lot. Well, it, well, it it's will at some point. I right, mean, there's a right. house there right now, but if, I, if they ever sold it, they would absolutely be sold as a commercial sure. lot. Uh, but this will probably, uh, this neighborhood, of, I don't know if it's going to quite wrap around it because we haven't seen the plans yet, but it's right. definitely going to be south of it. So they're asking for a rezoning, I'm assuming, going from agricultural to some type of PUD. Of course. Um, the Greg Smith of Mendrop Wages Engineering will be presenting it for owner Butch Davis. Butch Davis owns this land, and so Greg Smith will be the one uh, going before the Board of Aldermen tonight. The next one is the, another final plot approval. So these are actually, you know, been approved, been rezoned of Magnolia Commons. This is the subdivision next to the jail. Um, phase four, 36 lots that takes up 14.57 acres located on the east side of Magnolia Drive. So again, this is this is for Johnny Coleman, who's a property owner, and Ben Smith with IPD LLC will be the engineer presenting it tonight. And finally, Matt, Madison Lakes, PUD, that's all I'm saying. That's it. We, we, we are no longer saying those two Just, words together on the UTW podcast until it actually happens. Mo moving on. Moving on. Uh, number 21, authorize the mayor to sign a contract uh, for election services of the general election. Now, this is Shouldn't be that big of a deal, but just want to make everybody aware that they're actually setting up uh, the general election. And this is a good time for us to preview that next week we will be interviewing the Ward 2 alderman uh, to have on our show for next Friday. Uh, the Friday before you uh, head off, I guess, for Memorial Day, we're going to have uh, we're going to have interviewed the two candidates for Ward 2. So kind of a preview of that. This is them actually setting the election services for the general election. Go ahead and get that under contract for that coming up in June. The, the date of the general election is what again? June the 8th, I believe. June the 8th, okay. I, I think general that. election, June 8th, got it. Uh, next, basically Trustmark won the bid right? Won the uh, bid. for the uh, cemetery corrections and for the park, the, the dirt work and the grass being added to the park. That'll be uh, approved and signed off on tonight by the mayor. And that's really all we have tonight. I and mean, there's other things on there, but those are the ones that I think will have much. As anything else, we will absolutely bring it to you, but that's kind of the main things I'll be watching tonight on the YouTube channel. Quite a bit of planning stuff going on. So, I mean, a lot of yeah, neighborhoods. Yeah, it could I mean, be a potentially long meeting tonight, assuming you, things aren't tabled. That's well over 100 houses that we were just talking about. Oh. It tallied up to well over 100 houses. Yeah, I mean, that, well, 100, well, not houses, 100 available lots. Oh, yeah, lots, I mean, you know Eventually, what I'm there'll be houses. Okay. But, yeah, so 43, 21, and 36, yeah, you're right at 100 lots. Right, 100 lots. I mean, we talked about it earlier. The DeSoto County housing market is absolutely red hot right now. These builders, these developers are jumping at the opportunity to possibly go to another phase or build another phase of homes that they already have uh, being built. So pretty amazing. Uh, yeah, the, the Alderman meeting could be a little long tonight. I'm not going to jinx it, which I just did, but it could be a little bit long tonight with a number of different developments going on. Let's move north and talk about South Haven. What you got? All right, for South Haven, uh, they also are talking about the appointment of election commissioners, so also for the same thing that the Hernando's doing. Now, again, South Haven 
does not go into depth quite what's being said sometimes on a lot of things they have the they do have the packet this packet was over 400 pages long but there's some things there they just leave blank because it's for discussion Uh, one of those is bill brewer and john teague uh, with DeSoto Legacy Volleyball. That's all it says. So that's okay. obviously something I'll be paying attention to. Not sure what that's for. Wait that's- a minute. I bet I'm guessing that's for. Remember, remember the last Auburn meeting they were going to talk to DeSoto Legacy Volleyball. Yep. They were going at the thing on the. On 51, the South oh, yeah, yeah. Arena? The arena. I bet that's probably what it's going to be, some type of thing like so that. So maybe they're running it or whatever. Right, so we'll, sure. We'll, or maybe they want to lease it because right. this is a competitive team. The right. Soto Legacy Volleyball is a competitive team. So, yeah, so we'll kind of walk, and we'll just give that update on Friday, again, assuming that South Haven posted online. Right, sure. Uh, because last time it was not posted online, which is why we don't know much about this. Uh, number nine, part bids. That's all it says. Okay. So Got paying it. attention to part like bids it. tonight. They keep it simple. Whoever just – boom. All right, uh, the next one is the contract with Nesbitt Water. Now, this one did have the actual contract in there for people to review. And so Nesbitt is looking to contract to buy water from South Haven for a specific area. Okay. So this will be, you know, I'm assuming it'll be approved, but they're basically going to pay them uh, a certain fixed rate for a certain amount of time. So Nesbitt is having to buy water to service some of their customers from South Haven. Uh, the next thing is they're purchasing a garbage truck for $163,000. Kind of simple. The next one is going to be kind of interesting. I want to see, and this may be part of the mayor's report too, there's a resolution for a budget amendment. Now, when we talked about this last time for Hernando, it's because they had gone over on three things. One was for the um, Conquer Park, but mainly it was because of the opposition to Olive Branch annexation. Remember, they had a bunch of right, legal fees they had to get fees. approved. For South Haven, it's a different reason. Their actually uh, resolution for budget amendment is to adjust for increased revenues. They have now received more revenues throughout, you know, through the fiscal year so far, which means they have more money to spend. So they'll be looking to kind of book those and then maybe start placing those in different areas. Wow, yeah. So they have to it's adjust a, for increased revenues. It's a good revenues. problem to have. Very good problem to have. <laughs> then we move to the planning agenda. They have a couple that um, I'm going to be paying attention to. Uh, application for R&W developers. Uh, they want to amend the DeSoto Central PUD to revise the existing 7.95 acres on the commercial on the south side of Nail Road. So think about where Nail Road is. This is just south of that new Guardian building. That's, sure. sort of, that's Nail Road. Uh, west of Gitwell Road. Right so, there next to um, it's the dental offices. Yeah, just north of the uh, what's the steakhouse. Right, the, right there. Uh, girl house. Yeah, so that, that empty area right there. To mixed-use residential office. Now, Matt, this is something I did print this out. I will have it uh, as I'm watching the meeting this week uh, to have for Friday. Matt, I'm going to show you what it's going to look like. Uh, think about what this is at the corner of Nail and Getwell. I mean, we're talking about mixed use, loft apartments. That's what they're, now, again, this has not been approved. This is what they're asking to be approved. Uh, mixed use, loft apartments. You're going to have a pool, uh, that sort of thing. So very similar to what was approved at Silo Square. Is, uh, is that going to be on the corner or is it going to be right there behind uh, Dr. Coleman's dental offices and yeah, stuff by, like that's that? That's right. That's so exactly. it's not on the corner. Not, no, not on the corner. I okay. think the corner is actually owned by Renaissance Bank, if right, I remember exactly. that correctly. Yes. So, yeah, this will be actually yeah, a little past, a little behind it, but, I mean, obviously okay. visible okay. From, from the corner. This is what it's going to look like. Now I'm showing it to you. So it's going to be okay. kind of set back in the right, right kind of in front of are the those, houses. Are those existing houses right there? Yes, those are those existing, are existing houses. houses. Okay. So that would be on their street. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I, so, I don't hate it, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I would understand if South Haven people are like, hey, we want to look some more stuff. Now, a lot of times when this is brought before this, you know, and Hernando is different. Hernando, they have full discussion. Sure. You know, even if the planning commission said yes, there's a lot of aldermen. A lot of times for, the, for South Haven, when it reaches this stage, it's already been a planning commission has a signed off on it. Right. They the, have a lot of trust in their the planning, planning commission. commissioner who's presenting it. She is basically saying hey, this Whitney, is Whitney and, Coates. Yeah. Whitney Coates. She, this is, this is what we've done. This wow, is everything. Yeah. 
and um, you know, and we're submitting it for approval. We'll see if there's a lot of discussion. Sure. If this may be a density issue, that's a lot of people in that area now. So we'll see what they say. Again, paying attention to it. Uh, the other one is item number three. We'll skip over item number two. It's just a small thing. Item number three, application by uh, Robert Peltz to amend the DeSoto Park Plaza PUD on the north side of St. Line Road, west of Airways. So this is west of Airways, north of State Line Road. So right there, uh, if you're kind of picturing, there used to be a Pizza Hut, I think, um, right there. It was a, a shooting range was there at one point, all that area right there, to incorporate RV parks as an allowable use. Correct. Yeah, I know I know the project you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, so that's that's another one of the planning agenda. And then finally, as always, for South Haven, the mayor's report. The mayor's report, which we always enjoy. He does a really good job of talking about different things. Uh, there, there, a mayor's report, maybe, can we ask a question at some point in the next couple of weeks or several months? Maybe mayor's report for Hernando is not a bad idea. No, and I, you know, I, I'm glad you said that because we've talked about it before off air. And I think that that's something that I would like to talk to some of the new aldermen, maybe to even ask. Right. Hey, look, you know, we know a lot of stuff that's going on, but could you incorporate this as part of your, hey, this is something that we need to make public instead of waiting for the issue to come up. Hey, this is something we're looking at, maybe sure. coming in a couple of weeks. I don't think it's a, I don't know why it would be a bad idea. Right. And again, it's not like a gossip session or something. The mayor just simply updates and said, hey, we, we hired another officer or that type of stuff, those type of things that would be good to come out of their report. Things that it's something that's important to him it's his opportunity to shine a light on something he's thinking over the last two weeks well i mean instead of waiting to the end of the year saying right. this is what we did this is what we did right well then just kind of like a, a mini state of the city type thing every month and right. maybe you just do it once a month yeah, just month, to kind of wrap month. up things and, and what's been going on but just to kind of get it out there on record I, I i don't hate the idea well whoever thought we'd have a podcast talking about auburn meetings but it's been pretty successful so well very true very you know true. just saying well good luck to the hernando alderman and the south haven alderman as they uh, run the city business tonight a lot of stuff going on in both cities uh uh, they they didn't do much two weeks ago, but this this meeting should be you know a lot of meat in this meeting uh, absolutely. Well, Derek, we're going to move out statewide. Something else uh, as we move out. The Mississippi Supreme Court ruled uh, just this past week about something that's pretty big in DeSoto County, passed pretty overwhelmingly in DeSoto County, but they put the squash on it for right now. What is that? On Friday, so after our show posted, the Mississippi Supreme Court issued a much anticipated ruling that strikes down the medical marijuana program enshrined in the state constitution by the voters last November. If you remember, it passed by 74%. Uh, so 74% passed it. What the, state, what the ruling is, is the ruling also voids for now the state's ballot initiative process that allows voters to take matters in the hands and pass constitutional amendments. Now, again, this is not something specifically you know, picking on medical marijuana. This is basically saying, okay, the way that the voters now could bring up issues to try to get into the constitution there's really no way to do it based on the current Mississippi law. With six of the nine justices agreeing, the court wrote that they grant the petition, reverse the Secretary of State's certification of Initiative 65, and hold that any subsequent proceedings on it are now currently void. Now, this all came up when Madison Mayor Mary Hawkins Butler fired a Supreme Court challenge to Initiative 65 just days before the voters approved it on November 3rd. So she actually filed this before the vote even happened. Butler argued that the Mississippi's ballot initiative is constitutionally flawed and Initiative 65 was not legally before the voters. Uh, she said a provision requiring an equal number of signatures from Mississippi's five congressional districts could not be met because Mississippi has had only four districts for two decades. That's her argument. That's what was brought. Now, Section 273 of the state constitution from 1992 requires that proponents 
to gather signatures evenly from five Mississippi congressional districts with no more than one-fifth or 20% coming from any district. So what she argued was is that it's a mathematical certainty that of the nearly 106,000 certified voter signatures collected from what are now four districts to put Initiative 65 on the ballot, signatures from at least one of the districts had to have passed 20%. Because when, when there's only four and you're getting 20% from five, there's going to be one that was you know, more than 20%. That's, what, that's her whole argument. So the Supreme Court took it up, said, you know what, she's based right. on a 63 vote, that she was right. And what she's saying is right. Now, again, this is not saying that they're, they— They're not saying— they're, This is not an opinion on the medical marijuana. No. This is an opinion on—wait a minute now. The Constitution in 1992 says has to be five. We only have four. Right. So the Constitution needs to be changed to show the five. That's right. Well, and that's, the, and that's, that's has basically been put back to the legislature to, right. to do that. It wow. says, okay. the now voided constitutional amendment passed by voters would have required Mississippi to have the medical marijuana program up and running by August. Obviously, mm-hmm. that will not happen. Uh-huh. Uh, in favor of it was one of, we have three northern judges. Uh, one of them, Justice Josiah Coleman, uh, he wrote for the majority saying that the loss of congressional districts did indeed break the ballot initiative provision so that Absent amendment, it no longer functions. So no longer it can function as a five when there's not five districts. The court majority ruled that the provision plainly says signatures are to be gathered equally between five districts, one of which no longer exists. Now, another one of our uh, Supreme Court justices, Justice Robert Chamberlain, and who actually lives in Hernando, uh, he was in the dissenting opinion, and he wrote that the majority ruling does not avoid absurdity, rather it invites it. And he also wrote that it stretches the bounds of reason to conclude that the legislature in 1992, when drafting, would have placed a poison pill within the language of the provision that would allow the provision and the right of the people to amend the Constitution through initiative to be eviscerated at the whim of a federal injunction of such limited scope. In other words, there's no way the legislator meant to do this on purpose, that they assumed that if it went down to four, that you'd be, it would be taken as four. Right. However, he, he so you're, he was saying that the legislature it may have gone from five to seven to two or three. They're saying the constitution should be it's kind of it's, a little fluid right there. Right, should be fluid. fluid. Okay, but the way that the Supreme Court just voted, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was not definitely not fluid. Six to three is not fluid now. No, not fluid. The state Senate did. They saw this coming. Yes, back in I think it was March, uh, they passed an alternative. A medical marijuana program that proponents said could serve as a backstop in case the court struck down Initiative 65. Right. We, we talked about it. We talked about it, and I believe our brother podcast, Obi Pod, yes. uh, interviewed Kevin Blackwell, uh, who was part of that, trying to explain, hey, no, because a lot of people were angry at him saying he was trying to do his own thing and push his own thing through. And he was like, no, 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 we're trying to put this in because if this thing gets voted down by the Supreme Court, we don't have anything. Correct. The Senate did pass it. However, the House never took it up, and so it died. So, therefore, there is nothing in place. And since that time, so that is us reporting what happened. Now, outside of that, there's a couple things going on. Number one, there are already legislatures asking Tate Reeves if a special session to be called to take this up and to go ahead and set rules now or laws now with four congressional district. How can people get signatures to ask for a constitutional change? So that's already been discussed, and phone calls have already been made to the governor on that part. And there's another group called, I think it's like Citizens 74, something similar to that, representing the 74%, that have already called for a rally outside of the governor's mansion on May 25th 
to, and I think right now I had up to 800 people had signed on to show up. Uh, now, this is as of Tuesday morning. I don't know where we'll be you know, a week from now when the actual thing takes place. But next Tuesday on the 25th, they're looking for anybody and everyone that wants to come up to rally outside the governor's office to ask him to call a special session to take this up immediately and get on there the rules as to how common citizens can you know, get something on the agenda in the legislature to try or on the voting ballot, excuse me, to try to change part of the Mississippi Constitution. Right now, basically what they're saying is we have no power as a ordinary citizen to ask or to request change to the Constitution. We have no way to bring it before the legislature at this time or before the voters at this time. Whew. A lot of information to chew on there. A lot of information for sure. Uh, definitely. What are you doing next Tuesday? Are you heading to Jackson? <laughs> I will not be heading to Jackson. I will be happy to report on this podcast. Exactly. There we go. We'll, we'll be happy to, to. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what's going on from uh, Jackson and we'll, we'll report on that. But man, just a lot of information right there. I mean, what I was thinking about, Derek, while you were talking, the, the thousands of signatures that were done and the thousands of man hours that were performed. To collect those signatures. Yeah, 106,000 signatures, 106, 74% yeah. voted for it. And remember, this is for medical marijuana. Uh, this is not for recreational use marijuana. And now if this, if there's no special session called, another one that would, would be taken up next spring, obviously for the next session, if it's not uh, a special session is not called. So sometime between January and March, you would hope that they would agree to something in place. And the next time anything could be put on the ballot is next November. Sure. The 22nd when the uh, House races are up again. So, you know, you may be waiting at least that long, if not long. And then, of course, it's voted in. It will take at least a year to get implemented, just like this one was, you know, wasn't supposed to happen to August. I mean, you're talking 2023 to yeah. try to get medical marijuana into Mississippi. Very interesting, Derek. I mean, very interesting. Like you said, she filed this lawsuit before it even passed with the assumption it was going to pass. And I understand wh- I understand what she means. So she very It's easy to read right there. It has to pass five. And you say, well, we only have four. Sorry. So it's kind of a language issue from 1992. But, I mean, but- I would venture to say, I don't want to speak for her, but her reason for doing that is because she was against it. True. I agree with yeah. that. I mean, yeah, that someone said, hey, here's maybe a way that we can affect that and yeah. stuff like that. So And so, I, you know, I hate that it came down to that. And again, I, you know, whether you're pro or Which against. It's a formality. Right. Whether you're pro yeah. or you're for it or against it, it's the fact that right now, we as comments, but if you wanted to push anything through right now, try right. to get to a vote, you could not. Right. The Supreme Court has told you at this time, there is no way for citizens to bring anything to a vote in Mississippi. Well, Derek, if all this legislative talk is a little bit overwhelming for you and you kind of are looking for a vacation, now's the perfect time to reach out to Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher of Magical Destinations of Hernando. Whether it's that trip to Disney World, Universal Studios, National Parks, cruises, anywhere in the United States, or a tropical getaway, Sue Ellen and Ann Christopher can help you plan the trip of your dreams. They work to get you the best rates with headache-free planning. Magical Destinations is locally owned and operated right here under the water tower. Give them a call today to start planning your magical getaway. You can reach them at 662-469-6304. That's 662-469-6304. Or find them on Facebook and Instagram at Magical Destinations Unlimited. That's Magical Destinations Unlimited on Facebook and Instagram. Lauderdale Insurance Agency, your local state farm provider, is located at 11 West Commerce Street, directly across the Hernando Post Office. Lauderdale Insurance is owned and operated by Sam Lauderdale, former alderman and local resident of Hernando. His team specializes in insurance for life, home, business, and auto. Mr. Sam encourages you to compare coverage, service, and price, but feels confident Lauderdale Insurance Agency should be your insurance provider. Please call Sam, Sherry, Angie, or Jennifer at 662-429-5213. 
Again, 662-429-5213, or find them on Facebook at Lauderdale Insurance Agency. Derek, on our Friday show, we talked about the Hernando Farmers Market taking the weekend off for the A-Fair. Well, they're back and ready to go this weekend, 8 to 1 o'clock this Saturday on the historic Hernando Square. The Hernando Farmer's Market brings together the best of local food, artistry, and the agriculture traditions of the Mid-South. It's a place to shop. It's a place to gather. But more importantly, it's a rare chance to experience the simplicity of a Mississippi small town. It is truly a fresh, local experience. For more information about the Farmer's Market, you can reach out to Gia Matheny, Community Development Director at 662-449-9092. That's 662-449-9092 to learn all about the Hernando Farmer's Market. Again, back this week, 8 a.m. to 1 p.m. on the historic Hernando Square every Saturday, May 1st through October. The Hernando Farmer's Market, our newest advertiser. Derek, I know you and I were excited to see Richard Williams on Friday night coming out to support us with the uh, singer-songwriter event. Look, if you're looking for someone to take care of your lawn this spring, summer, and fall, someone to mow your grass weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, now's the time to reach out to Richard and his team at Williams Services. Williams Services is a veteran-owned and operated business with years of experience in lawn care, landscaping, mulching, and more. Owner Richard Williams and his team can assist you with a multitude of outdoor home needs. As I mentioned, weekly mowing, bi-weekly mowing, monthly mowing for your property, gate repair, fence repair, any type of outdoor cleaning that you might need, Richard is your man. Give him a call at 662-292-8855. That's 662-292-8855. Or find Richard on Facebook at Williams Lawn Services. That's Williams Lawn Services on Facebook. Well, Derek, it's our Tuesday show, which means it is time for the DeSoto County Fact of the Week. DeSoto County Fact of the Week brought to you each and every week by the DeSoto County Museum. DeSoto County Museum, located just across from Area 51 Ice Cream in Hernando on Commerce Street, is open from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. That's Tuesday through Saturday, 9 to 5 Right here in Hernando, I see they put a new walking path or sidewalk yeah. there to get into the mm-hmm. to the museum. So very, it looks very nice right up there next to the uh, log cabin that's mm-hmm. sitting right there and everything. So I know they're always working on different things, different things to display there at the museum. One of our favorite things to do, what you got this week? Matt, this week's DeSoto County Fact of the Week is a brief history of the Vaughn Movie Theater. Okay. The Vaughn Movie Theater right there um, just off of Center Street. I think it's Center and East Street, the corner of Center East Street. And uh, just been there a while. Uh, we know that there's, uh, we'll talk about just a moment, a group that's trying to kind of revive that. But the history of the Vaughn Movie Theater, yes, for those of y'all who have recently moved to Hernando or not aware, Hernando used to have a movie theater uh, downtown that was then turned into a, a kind of a, a entertainment theater. Uh, so in May of 1940, Mr. W.H. Carver approached Earl Mosby with an offer to purchase a 32-foot by 92-foot corner lot at the corner of North and East Center Streets in Hernando. They came to an agreement on a cash price of $750. Wow. $750 for that corner. Mr. Carver started erecting a 300-seat picture show building at once. The four timbers for the buildings were constructed. The walls were 12-inch thick brick construction. All seats were to be padded, and a water cooling system was to be erected upon the roof. By November, the construction was completed, and Mr. Carver went about making arrangements for rural families to attend the moving picture show complete with sound. At this time, school board hired individuals with their own buses to transport children to and from the school. 
Mr. Carver visited each operator and agreed to pay them a fee based upon the number of children and adults that they could entice to come to the movies. Mr. Carver was a man who could recognize a bargain when he saw one, and when he got ready to get a neon sign for his new business, he located a used sign in a junkyard in West Memphis. It had the letters A-V-O-N in neon in a vertical position. Underneath was painted Tourist Court in a horizontal fashion. So, Matt, he found an old sign that said Avon Tourist Court. Pulled that sign. All of the neon would burn except for the letter A. Mr. That, Carver, that's how it became the Vaughn Theater. That's how it became oh the Vaughn Theater. Wow. Mr. Carver painted over the lower letters and in their place painted theater. So he took out Tourist Court and wrote the word theater. And with the A gone, the name became the Vaughn Theater. That's one of my favorite DeSoto County Facts of the Week. I, it, it is literally because of a bargain sign bought in Pulled West out Memphis. out of a junkyard. <laughs> my gosh. <laughs> West Memphis. How crazy is it? And it's a great name, too. Oh, it's a great name. It was very successful. During World War II, though, the Vaughn Theater barely made expenses. Then pu- Memphis public officials appointed Mr. Lloyd Benford to review public movies in that city. All right, so... It started out hot and heavy, 40-41. The war came. It kind of went down. Obviously, everybody's trying to, you know, give what they can for war bonds and that sort of thing. Uh, and basically, Hollywood kind of shut down, too, when a lot sure. of movies made during those years. Well, then, unfortunately, when the movies came back, the, this Mr. Benford was appointed to oversee the movies that could come to Hernando from Memphis. Not sure why. Unfortunately, he had a puritanical attitude toward the movies, so he, in other words, he was very strict and wouldn't let anything that he deemed risque come on. So basically, any of the popular movies at that time were not allowed to come to Hernando because maybe they had a dress was too short or the theme was too racy or anything like that. Would not allow them to show to Hernando because of this one guy's opinion. Uh, after a while, of course, the Vaughn Theater. Okay. He, he would he would not be popular on Hernando Avenue. Oh no 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 no. <laughs> No, I, I'm saying that within six months, he'd be gone. He'd be gone. If not, if not sooner. Uh, after a while, the Vaughn Theater drew fewer and fewer customers because of this. Because of that guy. Yeah. And then the theater was sold several times during the coming years. One day in 1954, and this is a guy that's writing it, uh, the guy's name that is writing it from his book, J.B. Bell's Just Grand is the name of the book I'm getting this information from that uh, Rob Long has sent me. He, bought, he ended up buying it in 1954, but basically for what he, he considered a fair price. And so he, he took over, had some successful years, and then in the, the late, early to mid-50s is when he started owning it, they had acts such as Elvis, Johnny Cash, and Jerry Lee Lewis all played there in the early to the mid-50s. Uh, and then, of course, today, uh, it is still known as the Vaughn Theater. Bon Vaughn Gifts got their name from the theater itself. It's currently in that building. And there is a Friends, I mentioned earlier, the Friends of Vaughn Theater uh, wish to make it a space for a public entertainment complex. They've been raising money for several years, and Matt would love to see that. And in fact, it would be something a great place for us to have our event if they could sure. ever get it right. But uh, again, just a wonderful, wonderful fact of the week from Rod Long. Absolutely. That's, that's very neat. That's one of my favorite fact of the weeks we've ever had. It's amazing information right there about the Vaughn Theater. So many of us in Hernando know about the Vaughn Theater, but I guarantee you most of us did not know that that's how, they're, how, how their name came about. That's just a great way to get a name. Yep, no doubt. DeSoto County Museum, across from Area 51 Ice Cream on Commerce Street. Please consider visiting as soon as you can, 9 to 5, Tuesday through Saturday. Rob Long and his staff would love to show you around the DeSoto County Museum. Derek, something else that has a lot of history in Hernando and continues to be successful is DeSoto Family Dental Care. DeSoto Family Dental Care has been a presence under the water tower with over 60 years of combined dental experience. Dr. Seymour, Paroli, and Trotter are committed to providing a gentle and caring approach while focusing on the aesthetic beauty and long-lasting health of your smile. 
The practice is open Monday through Friday, providing hygiene appointments, general dentistry, implants, implant-supported dentures, and Invisalign. DFDC makes use of modern technology such as digital scanning, intraoral cameras, digital x-rays, and autoclave sterilization. The office is designed to provide a safe, comfortable, and relaxing atmosphere for their patients. They're the official dentist of the UTW podcast, and you can reach them at 662-429-5239. That's 662-429-5239. Give them a call today for the DFDC difference. Are you considering a schooling switch for next year? Would you like to learn more about DeSoto County's largest, oldest, most desirable Christ-centered college preparatory school that serves students in grades PK through 12? North Point Christian School invites you to come visit them in South Haven and see why they were just voted DeSoto's best. The school is currently on pace to exceed enrollment expectations for 2021-2022. They are experiencing high interest and excellent attendance at their open house events. In fact, if you are interested, don't delay in calling because multiple grades are nearing possible capacity levels. Due to high demand, they keep adding additional open house events. Their next Preview the Point event is scheduled for prospective families this Sunday, May 23rd at 2 p.m. School representatives will be on hand to answer your questions about North Point's distinctive approach to school and health and safety, as well as their unmatched academic, athletic, and arts offerings. Reserve your spot today by contacting the Director of Admissions, Mrs. Sheila Sharon, at 662-349-5127. Again, 662-349-5127. Come find out why North Point is best. If you're looking for someone to keep your lawn green this spring and summer, look no further than Green King Spray Services. Since 2001, Green King has been helping home and business owners enjoy lush, healthy, weed-free outdoor living spaces. They refuse to settle for the status quo, continuously researching and testing the very latest methods, products, and strategies to ensure your lawn looks better than the other guys. With technicians trained and educated with hours of continuing education and seminars each year, Green King is committed to doing everything they can to make and keep you satisfied. You can reach them at 662-892-8419. That's 662 662- 892-8419 or visit their website greenkingspray.com that's greenkingspray.com remember if you want it green call the king well matt this is usually the time where we do sports but before we get to that my wife uh, had the opportunity to go friday night to the baccalaureate for north point and also to the graduation saturday morning at 11 for north point and so we covered all of those uh, honor graduates we talked about them the magna cum laude and the Bower Victorian and Salutatorian on our podcast on Friday. Well, now this week starts public schools. I believe the graduation start this Thursday night will be the first uh, of several uh, schools. Obviously, there's eight in the county that will be graduating over the next week to week and a half. So uh, we want to recognize, uh, Matt, I think you have the names. We want to recognize the honor students or the, I guess, the top students for each of those schools that are that we cover here under the water tower. That's right, Derek. And we're going to start right here under the water tower with Hernando High School. We're going to recognize the valedictorian, salutatorian, star student, and the star teacher, Derek, that was awarded that by the DeSoto County Schools in the last several weeks. Valedictorian for Hernando High School, congratulations to Miss Riley Kate Box. Salutatorian, Ethan Rogers. Star student was also Ethan Rogers. And then star teacher, 
Derek, someone we know, have gone to church with for years, and I actually know her her uh, her children very well. Sean Swift, Miss Sean Swift, a very liked and very uh, very popular math teacher. Somebody definitely invests in their her students. Uh, Hannah Grace had her for uh, last semester, and just a really really good teacher. Next up, we're going to shine a light on Lake Cormorant High School valedictorian Miss Grace Smith, salutatorian Delaney Wilson, star student. Christina Lancaster, and star teacher, Miss Lisa Hutchison. Congratulations to these young people and Miss Hutchison for being the star teacher. Go east of Fernando, Lewisburg High School, valedictorian, Haley Morgan, salutatorian, Gay Dennis, several star students, guess they couldn't agree on one, so a lot of, <laughs> lot of stars, Benjamin Armstrong, Gay Dennis, Jason Hoffman, and John McCommon. Also, star teachers, Maggie Dennis, might be related to Gabe Dennis, just guessing. Amy Hoffman and Tracy Hunter. Congratulations to all the star students and valedictorian salutatorian there at Lewisburg High School. Congratulations on your 2021 graduation as well. Finishing up with DeSoto Central High School. DC, the valedictorian is Logan Deutschman. Salutatorian, Mary Claire Hopper. Star student, Sophia Davis. And star teacher, Ashley Webb. Congratulations to all the graduates of Hernando, Lewisburg, Lake Cormorant, and D.C., all the public schools that we cover here under the Water Tower. Wonderful job. Congratulations on your 2021 milestone of graduating high school. We really want to say congratulations to, to, to you guys uh, and, and look forward to a bright future for all of you. Now, Derek, let's turn our attention to sports. The number one topic under the water tower here in Hernando for the last 72 uh, hours or so, absolutely, the Hernando Lady Tigers are your 6A softball champions. Derek, just to, uh, to set the scene real quick, uh, myself and my wife, we're sitting there with about four other adults watching the final out, watching the final play right there, uh, pop up, simple little blooper, pop up to Miss Julia Shaw. She catches it right there on the, on the pitcher's mound, throws her glove down, goes to celebrating with their teammates. Just an absolutely awesome event. We will be sitting down with the Hernando Lady Tigers later today for a special episode. The Hernando Lady Tigers will have their own special episode of the UTW podcast. We sat down with Nikki Witten five weeks ago and three of her players. Well, we're sitting down with the whole team later this afternoon. Going to give them the whole show. No ads, no nothing. It's nothing. It's going to be nothing but just joy and happiness and talking about the uh, state championship. Derek, give us a little bit more information about the game, about the last several days for the Hernando Lady Tigers. Again, the 6A softball champion trophy resides under the water tower. That's right, Matt. After the game one win on Thursday night, the Hernando softball team played again on Friday in Hattiesburg. The game was close throughout, but Oak Grove used good pitching and timely hitting to beat the Lady Tigers 4-2, not only to hand them their third loss of the season, but also force a deciding Game 3 on Saturday for a winner-take-all state title. On Saturday, Julia Shaw bore down and threw a complete game gem in the circle, giving up only four hits and pitching a shutout to win 4 to nothing over the Oak Grove Lady Warriors and give Hernando its first 6A softball title in its history. Hernando took the lead in the bottom of the first when Riley Eister crossed the plate on a Jacqueline Carter RBI. Shaw helped her own calls with an RBI single in the sixth inning, and then Emmy Musers gave the Lady Tigers the insurance that they didn't end up needing, hitting a two-RBI double in the top of the seventh to take a 4-0 lead and allow Shaw to have some breathing room working in the bottom half. The Lady Warriors went down 1-2-3, with the final out being a weak liner back to Shaw. Hernando took the game, the series, and the state title, and the circle and the celebration began. The Lady Tigers finished the season 35-3 and and 6A champions. Absolutely, Derek. The last inning, Julia went ground out, tossed it to first, strike out, little blooper to her. She got all three outs in the seventh inning. I think she may have been named most valuable player mm -hmm. of that game and stuff like that. Just – 
you know, again, I, I can't be more proud. A lot of these kids, all of these kids go to school with my daughter, of course, but Hannah Grace knows Julie and Jana very well. Uh, these kids have played a lot of softball. They have given their lives to softball since for the last decade. And the fact that they're now 6A state champions, which I talked to somebody over the weekend, is pretty hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty – now they go two and three games. You know, yeah. two, best two out of three. Two you got to win two out of three versus just a single elimination stuff they did years ago. Uh, just very proud of them. And I cannot wait to sit down later this afternoon uh, with Nikki and, and her coaches and, and just – you know, so many, so many people in Hernando have been praying for him. Uh, my, my aunt down in Louisiana, uh, she got very involved for the last several days. She watched him on Game Changer and stuff like that. She was so excited, wanted to know who the little shortstop was and all that kind of stuff. So Pauline Bankston, just a little shout-out to her. Nice. Uh, Pauline Bankston, well, she's, she's a softball, and she's a sport nut. She's a young person nut. She's uh, very happy for these young ladies. I sent her a picture of the trophy and all that stuff, and she's very happy. So, I mean, it's just been inspirational just for the last five or six weeks, man. I'm just going to say this. When you're, when you're named the official blank of the UTW podcast – we only invest in state champions. That's true. I'm just going to say it. We only invest in state champions. So, congratulations, Nikki, and your, your group. Uh, I'll see you later today. All right. Uh, moving on to another softball team, the only other one that was still currently in action, North Point Girls. The Lady Trojans faced the sub-state play-in game to try and make it to the best of three series. Now, so the way Tennessee does it, of course, you have the regional tournament. You have to t- come in the top four in the tournament. And then if you're not one of the top two seeds, well, actually, if you're – depending on how you seed out. So, it – Definitely, if you're a three seed or a four seed, you have to play a play-in game. Uh, North Point was a three seed, so they had to play a one winner-take-all play-in game to get to the next round, which would have been a best two for two out of three. Uh, so they faced off against Boyd Buchanan uh, for the the one-game uh, play-in game. It was a pitcher's duel, but the Lady Trojans fell short in the 3-0 loss. Kennedy Brown went the distance for the Trojans, only giving up three hits, but the Trojans had three errors that led to two earned runs and could not push a run over the plate themselves. The Trojans only had two hits, one by Libby Sal, one by Matty Walters. The Trojans' season ends with that loss, but they had a great season and can hold their head up high with their sub-state showing. Congratulations, Lady Trojans, for a really good season. I mean, hold your heads up and, you know, hard-fought season. Thoroughly enjoyed covering you with the UTW Podcast. The next move into baseball. So there's two teams left in baseball. The first we'll cover is DeSoto Central. Uh, after losing game one, that we covered on the Friday's podcast, DeSoto Central traveled back home to face Tupelo in game two Friday night. Bradley Lofton started for the Jags and pitched seven innings of three-hit ball, helping the Jags to win 8-2 to two over the Golden Waves. The Jags were led offensively by Colton Coates, who was 2-3 for three with an RBI, Kristen Sprawling, who was 2-3 for three with an RBI, and Will Norris, who was 1-3 for three with two RBIs and a walk. This win forced a deciding game three back at Tupelo Saturday night. In game three, D.C. got the scoring started when Colton Coates scored on a two-out single by Landon Powell. Unfortunately, that will be the only run the Jags scored on the night, with Tupelo scoring two in the second, then four in the third, pulling away to their 9-1 victory. The Jags end up one game short of making North State Finals, short of the season goals, but can walk around proud of their season. Well, Derek, yeah, one game away from the North half champ, which we saw the Lady Tigers do in the last couple of weeks. Again, it is very hard to win two out of three. It's very hard to get to the uh, semifinals, North half championships, et cetera. Very good season by D.C. Going into the playoffs, a little slow, not the usual D.C. with the high numbers or, or, of wins and stuff, but they held their own in the playoffs, and they, they went furthest. Next to Center Hill, they went as far as anybody. But the last uh, baseball team remaining in DeSoto County, the North Point Trojans. Yes, that's right, Matt. The only team left now to play in our county, period. Uh, softball or baseball uh, is North Point. They will host the best of three playoff games starting this Thursday at the point against Knoxville Webb. Knoxville Webb is the two seed from the east 
and had to play a play-in game against the three seed from, from the Central to play North Point. North Point received a bye being the highest two seed in the tournament. So the way they did it, you know, there's 12 teams that enter, four get a bye. It's the top, you know, obviously the one seed's get a bye plus the highest two seed. That was North Point, so they got the bye. This game will put number nine in the state versus number 10 in the state against each other. Knoxville is the number ninth rated team in the state. North Point is 10th, even though they have a better record. The first game will be at 4 p.m. Thursday, with the second game being around 7.30 after that the same evening. If a game three is necessary, it will also be held at North Point on Friday at 2 p.m. So good luck, Trojans. Man, the last baseball or softball, basically the last sporting event. Uh, that you can see. So if you can hear our voice and want to get over there, like Derek said, 4 o'clock, North Point Trojan Field is the place to be on Thursday. So get out there and try and support. The t- I think uh, Wilson, my son, mentioned something about going with Bo or going with your son. So he, he's excited to go check it out and, and take a look at there. I mean, you know, Wilson, you know, kind of looks like a private school kind of he thoroughly oh, kind of enjoys well, that. Here's going. the thing is that, um, you know, that being the only sport left and the exams start, yeah. you know, so exams start at North Point, you can't get exempt unless you're a senior. So you have to take exams. But I still expect an absolute packed stadium. Uh, $7 for entry. There are no passes. You have to be $7 for everybody that wants to come in. But the $7 does get you both games on, on Thursday night. So, again, it should be a great night. We will have results for those two. Hopefully the Trojans can win the first two, be done with it in two. would be pretty awesome. But we'll have coverage on that on Friday. Good luck to the Trojans. Friend of the podcast, Coach Kirkpatrick, that we sat down with a couple of weeks ago. Just a nice gentleman. Thoroughly enjoyed your visit with him. So good luck to the Trojans. Congratulations to all the young men, young women that have played sports over the last school year. Congratulations to all the different DeSoto County teams that we've covered. Tallies up to Derek to hundreds of wins that we were a part of, a UTW covering. So we really, really congratulate Corey Osselton, and those people, uh, Mr. Ferguson for pulling off with North Point. Uh, you know, the kids should be playing baseball, should be playing sports, and they did it. So congratulations to all of them. And we definitely have enjoyed cheering you guys on this school year. Well, look, if you enjoy what you hear each and every week on the UTW Podcast, find us on Facebook at UTW Podcast, on Instagram at UTW Podcast, and on Twitter at UTW Pod. Also important, if you enjoy our show, subscribe share our show, and also give us a five-star review. Wherever you listen to our podcast, Apple Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is, please subscribe and give us a five-star review. That simply helps us move up in the rankings when it comes to our podcast. As we've mentioned a couple of times, look for OB Pod. That's OB Pod, stands for Olive Branch. They are a brother podcast, part of the Rooster Production team here with us in Hernando. We thoroughly enjoy those guys. They do a great job, put out a show really early on Monday mornings. It's a once a week show telling you all about Olive Branch, Center Hill, that area. Derek, the show from yesterday, interviews with multiple coaches, elected officials. I mean, really, the, the stuff that they can put into a one hour or one show a week is absolutely amazing. Please check out OB Pod, Zach Sims and Cash. Those guys do a one wonderful job covering Olive Branch. So if you're interested, if you like our podcast, you will thoroughly enjoy theirs as well. Well, Derek, before we sign off again, congratulations to Hernando, all the citizens of Hernando for a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Just a great job. The Lord bless us again. Thank you to him for the, for the, uh, the weather, but Hernando should be a city of can. I'll say that again. Hernando is a can city. We, we could pull off a singer songwriter event that most people would have just absolutely uh, never thought would come to Hernando. We can have thousands safely on the square. We can do anything we want to here in this great city. We thank you for that. Well, Derek, if there's nothing else, I'm Matt and I'm Derek. Join us next time. Under the water tower.
a drive Ain't enough coffee in this house to keep my head up I've been working so hard, baby Never had a problem with that before But I can't get no sleep when I'm with you So hang on, hang on, baby Yeah, baby, hang on 